Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Well, let's get into our sermon series. We are doing a series called Jesus' Return, and we are out of the book of Thessalonians. And I say Thessalonians because last week and this week we are in 1 Thessalonians, but next week we will be jumping to 2 Thessalonians here. And this is one of those topics that brings out a lot of curiosity. Uh, when you think about the end times, when you think about Jesus' return, uh, there is a lot of debate out there as well. And there is um, a lot of wondering what is going to happen, what is going to be taking place. And the early church had the same feelings. You know, they had some of the same thoughts that, that we have. What is going to happen? When does Jesus come? And Paul, the interesting thing about Paul is that every place Paul planted a church, which he planted a ton of churches, as you read the book of Acts, he would travel and preach the gospel, and men and women would come to faith. As he preached the gospel, he always brought up Jesus' return. He, this was a core value and a core teaching that Paul always brought, no matter where he went. He would bring the gospel, and then right behind it, he would re- remind the church and God's people, guess what? Jesus is coming back. Well, the early church, they had some questions. And last week, we looked at one of their questions. One of their, their big questions in the book of First Thessalonians is, what happens to the people who die before Jesus comes? And this was a serious question. They were waiting for, for Jesus' return, and they were like, well, we've got loved ones. I've got family members who have already passed away. What's going to happen to them? Because they were kind of like wondering, well, is Jesus going to forget about them? Like, you know, like, are they just dead? And, and, and are they going to be missing out on Jesus' return? Well, Paul reminds them in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, he says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and the sound of, uh, and the, sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ, those who have already died, believing in Jesus— they will rise first. Paul writes this to them to bring them encouragement, saying, listen, they might be asleep, they might be dead, but don't worry, Jesus has not forgotten about them. And the reason why, because they will always be with Christ. In verse 14 in First Thessalonians, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So Paul answered that question. Well, this week we are going to be turning to the next chapter, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. And also, I want you to like, kind of like know this. Did you know that when you turn to the next chapter, that doesn't always mean that there's a change in thought within God's word. You know, the, the chapter and verses were like added much much later than when these letters were written. So Paul's is not changing his thought. He, he, he is staying on the same thought process of Jesus's return. So please turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and let's stand as we read God's word this morning. I realize there's been a lot of up and down, a lot of up, a lot of down, but 
This will be your second or third to last up and then a couple more down. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. The Word of God says this. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for the day to surprise you like a thief. Verse 5, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do. Let us not keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Let us pray. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord, seeking you. I thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement you brought to the early church. And Lord, may your word encourage us today as well. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated here. <clears throat> like I said, the, the Thessalonians were waiting for Christ's return. They were, they were expecting Jesus to come at any moment here. But they had questions. They had concerns. And the interesting here, thing here is Paul isn't going to answer all of their questions. Paul isn't going to give them every single detail. One, because Paul doesn't really know every single detail because Scripture teaches us that only the Father knows. So Paul isn't going to lay everything out there for him. He's not going to go down every single road, every single thought that they have. What Paul is going to do is, is Paul is going to remind them of the most important things. Mainly, who they are and what this time of waiting for Jesus' return looks like. And Paul says this in verse 1. He says, yes, you have concerns, but now concerning the times and seasons, brothers, he says, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Paul starts off as he is writing this same thought about Jesus' return, about, about this idea of the times and seasons, about the end times. Paul starts off and says, listen, church, I don't even need to write to you. You guys already know what is about to take place. Jesus is coming, but when he comes, he's going to come like a thief in the night. You guys already understand this. And I find this to be so interesting because they were so concerned about it. They had so many questions. And Paul almost kind of like disregards their questions and says, listen, you guys already know what is about to happen. He's coming, 
And when he comes, it's going to be unexpected. It's going to be sudden. It's going to be like a thief in the night. And we know Jesus says this in Matthew 24, 43 as well. He says, but know this, if the master of the house had known it was part of the night, the thief was coming, he would stay awake and would not be and would not have let his house be broken into. And I don't know if I've got this verse up there, verse 44, but it says, Therefore you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Paul reminds them, he is coming. It will be unexpected. But then look at verse 3 here. He says this, he says, People, while people are saying, now Paul starts to like shift gears here. He says, first of all, you know, you guys I don't even have to write to you. You know what is about to be taking place. But then Paul says, while people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Paul is reminding them that the world around us, when Christ comes, it's going to be very unexpected for them. That men and women in this world who are walking in darkness will have no idea. They will be saying there's peace and there's security. Basically, they will be living their lives as nothing is about to be taking place. And people will be caught by surprise. They will be feeling safe. Paul says. Now, this is interesting because we don't know whether people are going to be feeling economically and politically safe, or whether they feel safe spiritually because they believe there is no God. And we, and we can see in our culture, and I'm not making predictions and setting up graphs and times here, but we can see around us that when our society has drifted further and further away from the king, we see the things that the world trusts in. And we can see how this world could easily be saying, oh, everything is fine. Everything is safe and secure. And Paul says, they will not escape. That, that Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night. Nobody out there of the world will be expecting it. Why? Because they walk in darkness, Paul says. But Paul is setting this up for them. Paul is setting the scene because Paul is basically wanting them to know who they are. They have all these questions. When is Jesus coming? What will this all look like here? And they want all of these answers, and Paul kind of leaves it in this mystery. He, he just says, listen, you guys already know. I don't even need to write to you about this. You guys know. He's coming. And he's coming, and it's going to be unexpected to this world. The world will not be ready for Jesus' return. And when he comes, he's bringing his judgment. His wrath is going to be poured out upon mankind. But Paul is setting it up to remind them of who they are. That, that the most important thing, when you look to the end, when you think about end times, Paul brings it right back around to remind them yeah, you have these concerns and you have all of these different questions, but let me tell you who you are. Verse 4. But you 
are not in darkness. Brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. The world around us, and we see this within Scripture, that, that Scripture, especially New Testament, always uses these, these terms here, darkness and light. And Paul uses these terms to show us a contrast. The world around us is in darkness. They don't know Christ. They have not come to faith in Jesus. They are walking in darkness, spiritual darkness. In their minds, everything's okay. In their minds, their life is great. They're a good human being. They pat themselves on the back for all of their good deeds, and they think everything is okay. But those of us who have come to faith realize we were once in darkness, that we were walking in darkness as what uh, Amazing Grace the, the uh, hymn says, I once was blind, but now I see. And when you come to faith in Jesus, you step out of darkness and in to the light. Romans 5.8. For at one time, you were darkness, Scripture says. This is how you used to walk. You were darkness. But now, you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And Paul uses this whole terminology to give us this picture here, that the world is in darkness, but you aren't. You are not like the world. If you believe in Jesus and his death and resurrection, you don't walk in darkness. You're walking in the light. You're walking as children of the light. And I think that this is so important here because Paul is reminding them, listen, you have these concerns about the end times, right? You have these concerns about, about these seasons that are going to be upon us. You have no need to worry. You're not like the world around you. You are children of the light. You are children of the Most High. You are, you are, you are a friend of the King, so don't be concerned. Paul is always, not just Paul, but God is always reminding us within Scripture who we are. And he does this over and over and over. It's because we forget. We get drifted off. We, we let this world beat us up, and this world has all these concerns and all of these thoughts. And Scripture, every single book of the Bible, God reminds us, let me tell you who you are. Because knowing who you are is the most important thing. Because knowing who you are, you're not concerned about the end. You're not concerned about the events that are about to take place in this world because that's, you're not walking in darkness. You're children of the light. And as children of the light, your life will be looking different. And that's what Paul is about to be getting into. Look at verse 7 here. He says, For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, Get drunk at night. Paul gives this very general, general statement here. We know people get drunk at 9 a.m., right? Like, it's not just, oh, you know, sin happens at night. Paul makes this generalization here saying, listen, this world, those who sleep, they sleep at night, but those who get drunk, they get drunk at night. This is how the world lives. They are blind to the things of God. They live in, in immoral behavior. But verse 8, 
but not you. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet of the hope of salvation. We don't belong to the darkness, church. You may have times and seasons and feelings where this world may be possibly choking you out and the worries of this world, can they're always creeping in. But Paul says, listen, this is, you're not of the darkness. You're of the light. And as a child of the light, your lifestyle, your life will be looking different. And Paul kind of sets them up here and he starts to use some specific military terms here in and Paul does this, especially in Ephesians uh, chapter 5 here, but he, he starts to remind them that though we are children of the light, you got to be on guard. This world around us, they're walking in darkness, and you're walking amongst them here. That's why, why uh, Paul uh, says here, having put on the, the breastplate of faith and love for the helmet of the hope of salvation. And I think it's so important for us, church, for us to understand who we are first before we understand what our lifestyle and what our life should be looking like. Because I see this happen so often, especially within our culture here. Many people believe that they have to live a certain way first, that basically God will only accept you or like, you know, allow you in his kingdom is if you live a certain way, that if your actions are like really, really good. But Paul here, he doesn't talk about the lifestyle first. And he talks about putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And these two virtues, like the breast, breastplate, protects the heart. Faith guards it within, keeps us in close relationship with Christ. Love guards our hearts and our outward behaviors towards one another. The helmet and hope of salvation. Now, if you want to really go into these, I do recommend turning to Ephesians 5, but we will not be going there today. He wants us to keep on the helmet of the hope of salvation. Our head is the control center of our life. It processes our thoughts and emotions. And basically, Paul is saying here, he is just arguing to them, you need to be ready. You need to be on guard. You need to put on the armor of the Lord because of the world you are walking in. That this world is just in darkness, but that's not who you are. Be on guard, but remember this, verse 9. This is where it starts getting really good. For God has not destined us for wrath. When Christ comes, when the second coming of Jesus happens, and when all these end-time events play out, the world, they don't understand what's about to be taking place. It's going to be a very difficult day for them. Let me just warn you on that one. But Paul here says, listen, it's going to come like a thief, and there's going to be this destruction, and they will not escape it. But that's not who you are. You're not destined for wrath. You're not destined for, for when Jesus' second coming happens and when the end times take place, you have no need to worry, church, because that's not who you are. God's not bringing his wrath to his church. His wrath is coming for the sins of the world. And Paul makes it very, very clear. 
but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ in verse 9. And then in verse 10, who died for us. He's constantly bringing this up. He's constantly reminding us, this is who you are, but this is why this is who you are, because of what Jesus has done. And church, I want to encourage you once again, stay focused on who you are and what God has done for you. And what God has done for you is extremely simple. Jesus Christ came. The Son of God came to die on that cross for you. He died on that cross. He took the punishment of your sins and my sins. And he rose again. And if you believe in the Son, if you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you have no fear of the end. You have no need to be concerned about what, what is all about to be taking place. Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night. The destruction will be fierce. His wrath will be great upon mankind. But he hasn't destined you for wrath. That's the most amazing part of what Paul is doing here. They had all these concerns and all of these thoughts, like what, what is going to happen to us? You know, like, is God just going to bring his judgment here and his wrath here? And Paul's saying he's going to come. People will not escape it, but not you. He's not going to come and bring his wrath upon you because you are not destined for that, not because of anything that you have done. There is nothing special about you. It's because of what his son has done for the world. And if you believe in him, for you are saved by grace, not by works, not by all of the things that you think you need to do, all of your do's and don'ts list, throw that out. It's about faith in his son, Jesus. It's about just simply believing that, that God has died for you. It's difficult. The world wants to tell you to, to, to don't believe in that hocus-pocus. That's all just garbage. But I'm telling you, Scripture makes it very, very clear. Believe in Jesus. Trust in what God has done for you on that cross. And you have no worries about the end. He's going to come. It's going to be fierce. And then in verse 11. He finishes off with the same thought that he finished off last week in chapter 4. Therefore, since this is all going to be taking place, since he is coming, but since this is who you are, therefore encourage one another, build one another up, just as you are doing. Church, we should be such an encouragement when times around us seem like the end is coming. Which, you know, in these crazy times that we are currently living in, I think there is a lot of thought and a, a lot of people talking about, oh, Christ's second, second coming. He is coming. I don't know when. I, I cannot tell you times and dates. Men and women have been writing books for years predicting the end. We talked last week about the 1988 88 Reasons Why Christ Will Come in 1988. forgot to tell you guys this. He came out with 1989, 89 Reasons Why Christ Will Return in 1989. He was wrong. We don't know exactly when he is coming, but Scripture is constantly telling us, this is who you are, and stay focused on who you are, and stay focused on what Christ has done for you. Stay focused on Christ. 
Regardless of what this darkness is around us, you are not walking in darkness. You are children of the light because of what Jesus has done for you and bring encouragement to one another. And I think it's so important for us as a church family to encourage one another to build each other up. A healthy church, a great church, is a church who loves each other, who will be encouraging one another. I had a pastor friend once uh, tell me this. He said, we need to share the gospel, not just with this world around us, but with each other daily. We need to be reminded daily of what Jesus has done for us and encourage one another in the gospel. That Jesus came, he died, and he rose again. And continue to spur one another on in faith in the Son. And I, I think Paul is, is really wanting the church back then and the church today. He knows we got all these questions and all these thoughts and all these concerns. But he encouraged them. He reminded them who they are and what God has done for them. And I want to just do that with you guys this morning as well here. I'm going to ask for you to stand, and I want to pray for you guys. And I'm going to ask the the worship team to uh, come up. And I thought uh, a song that I asked them to play would be fitting for us. But let me just pray for us here. Father, you know all of our concerns. You know all of our random thoughts about your coming. Father, help us to be focused on your son, Jesus. Father, fix our eyes on your son, what he has done for us, who we are in you, Lord. Father, help us not to be concerned with all the events that are about to be taking place in this world. Father, I know that you are coming for your children. You are coming to rescue us from the darkness that is around us. Father, I praise you for how you died and rose again for my sins. And Jesus, today we trust in you. Father, as we we sing this hymn, remind us of who we are and what you have done for us. We praise you now in Jesus' name.